Hi, I'm Bob Passavoy, president of the Midwest Pond and Koi Society. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in three, two, one. Don't touch that red button. Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. After 20 years, still Chicago's only deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Saturday morning on 1590 WCGO. Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine will... Good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. Clean beaches and They're not Robin and Marion. They're not even Robin and Batman. But they are a dynamic duo. Here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. High forests, the wetlands will. Good planets are in the main. Wait, I, I'm not finished typing yet. What? Oh, yeah, wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> Good morning. I'll fill the time while you're typing. Oh, go ahead. I'm typing. <laughs> on Facebook here, see, i got to add names so that we can go live on Facebook, which we are going to go in three, two, one. Okay, tune in. It's, blur- it's blurry, though. Huh. It, I'm blurry. You guys are in focus. That sounds like a personal problem. <laughs> I am. Uh, well, it's because of the uh, the uh, salsa music I had last <laughs> night next door. Kathleen, if you're listening, you uh, you you missed a really good party that I was not part of, <laughs> but you had to listen to. Uh, yeah, uh, but they they basically shut it down at eleven thirty. So that There's was a spider coming to visit you right in front of you right now. Oh, look at that spider heading uh, right for the board. Right there, it's going to land on the control. <laughs> Oh, I just shorted out the board. Oh, okay. that's a shame. Uh, welcome. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I, as I posted on Facebook, we're live here um, with uh, Peggy Malecki. Ariana Lynn is here. Hi, hi, Ariana. Hi there. Graduate now. I am a graduate. Good for you. Thank you. Thank you. She got her uh, degree in something, something, something. Environmental studies. Oh. <laughs> what do you something, do with that? Something. Okay, Lisa, go ahead. Hold on, hold on. We need leases. All right. Go. Go you ahead. May, you may speak. Hello, good morning. Yeah. <laughs> good morning. Uh, I'm uh, still not hearing you well, but... Uh, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, that's we'll Lisa let, we'll, we'll let Ben take care of that. I'm letting Ben handle everything. That's that's her in, your, in the lower right of your screen. My uh, left, your right, audience right. Uh, and uh, Ariana's uh, hiding. I'm hiding in the corner. It's good. <laughs> She's tired. Yeah, that's right. And uh, uh, Lisa Hilgenberg is here from the Chicago Botanic Garden because, you know, uh, as I said on the blog, we're in mid-season form here. This is this is kind of like the midpoint, right, as we head into July, right? It's true. It's hard to believe because I feel like we've just gotten all, you know, everything com- Completed. All the plantings are mm-hmm. in. The tomatoes were planted about three weeks ago. So you've got a head start on this, Mike. Yeah, you saw the photos. I have a photo of uh, of uh, tomatoes 
on the blog, go to MikeNovak.net. And I was a little impressed because Peggy dropped by the Botanic Garden the other day and took some photos of your tomatoes. You guys are a little behind. I don't know what to tell you. It's, uh... Well, with 50,000 annual vegetables <laughs> yeah, no, there's plant, a difference right uh... there. I planted like uh, 10, and you've got 50,000. So, yeah, uh, we've got a lot of plants to plant. Not 50,000 so tomatoes, but 50,000 plants in total. In, that's true, in three successions, yeah. so spring, and, summer, and fall. you know, I was telling Peggy that I looked at the photos of your uh, cabbages, and they're just beautiful. My goodness, they look good. We harvested the cabbages about two weeks ago, hmm. and we've got a beautiful planting of cucurbits there now. Um, uh, watermelon, squash, cucumbers. These were the fennel. Yeah, you had that whole just the single line along the, along the walkway. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And Peggy said she never had a much luck uh, growing cabbages. cabbages. I no, think no. again, Peggy. What I'm going to tell you is, I think it boils down to sun, basically. A lot of this, it really does boil down to sun often, doesn't it? It does. I mean, it also, you know, variety selection is so important. There are certain cabbages that do mm-hmm. well in the spring that mature quickly in cool conditions. And then there are some summer uh, storage cabbages, they're called, and they're um, uh, a little longer seasoned and they can take the heat so they don't bolt. Uh, storage number four is a variety we grow very well. Um, there. What's it called? Storage, storage number, number four. Boy, I like the the. It's such a a warm and fuzzy name. Storage number four. Number four. It's about number function four? as well. Yeah. Yes. Um, but uh, th- that's just some of the stuff we're talking about today. So give us a phone call. We're going to answer your your mid season gardening questions, and if you don't do it. We'll just go to Peggy because she's got a ton of them. She's been asking me all these questions, and my feeling is let's just wait till Lisa gets on the show because <laughs> she gets paid for it, and uh, and she's got 50,000, so 50,000 plants. And also on the – so Lisa Hilgenberg uh, starts us off today. Then we're going to have Liz Kirkwood uh, from Flow for the Love of Water. We're still talking about the Enbridge 5 pipeline going under the Straits of Mackinac. Uh, what's happening with that? Uh, the pipeline controversies continue. It never stops. And then Linda Scott in the studio also. Lydia Scott. I'm sorry, Lydia, uh, who's the director of the uh, CRTI, which is the Chicago Region Tree Initiative. And we're going to talk about this wonderful study they did uh, about trees in the Chicago area and prove once and for all how valuable they are and what we need to do to preserve them. You'd think that would be a no-brainer, but... We'll ask her about that. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Give us a call. Be part of the conversation. We'll be right back. Is this the year you finally get your lawn off drugs? But why stop there? Why not work with your city, your park district, and your local schools to create a neighborhood of lawns that are beautiful and safe? Logic Lawn Care is an Evanston-based company with a decade of experience managing large turf areas naturally. They'd be happy to sit down with you, your local school, or city to answer any questions and to give you a free lawn care estimate. Go to LogicLawnCare.com or call 847-421-6500. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the North and Northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. 
Hey, Chicago gardeners, I've got good news. The deadline to enter the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards has been extended to July 7th. It's free and open to residents of the city of Chicago, and it's presented by the Mike Novak Show, Illinois Extension, the Shedd Aquarium, Chicago Community Gardeners Association, and Natural Awakening Chicago, with assistance from the Chicago Flower and Garden Show. The awards provide recognition to the hard work and creativity that make our city a healthier, more beautiful place. They support the pride we take in our neighborhoods and help us build our communities. Garden types include ornamental, vegetable, container, and specialized gardens. And you can enter your small and large buildings, schools, and other organizations. And there's even a category for community gardens. And now you have until July 7th to enter. So go to Chicago Excellence and Gardening Awards on Facebook or click on the Chicago Gardening Awards tab at MikeNovak.net for more info. This is your talk. We're going to be here for a long time. Only on 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. See, now I'm mad. Well, at least it didn't go. Because I had the music all lined up here, uh-huh. and it didn't play. I hit I hit the play button, and so we had Ben. Ben took over, and he uh, popped Thank you, something. Ben. Thank you for popping that in. <laughs> and, uh, I, think, I think it's going to work next. What What did I just drop? CD. Oh, CD down. CD case down. <laughs> yes, it's uh, Sunday morning here on the Mike Novak Show. Don't mind me. Picking stuff up off the floor. Okay, we're fine. Go back to what you were doing, Scott. Pour yourself another uh, coffee. Scott, uh, this never happened. Okay, that part of it never happened, Scott. Uh, and thanks, everybody. As we mentioned before, we are uh, uh, broadcasting, uh, of course, on on uh, WCGO, uh, Chicago Smart Talk, 1590 AM, uh, of course. And we're also on Facebook Live this morning. You don't get much here. We don't. We can't like switch cameras and stuff. You get that nice wide shot, and you get to see if if I drop a CD case, you get to see that. And that's Ariana about it. gets to hide in the corner. And Ariana do. gets to hide. I do. And if I see phone calls coming in, I'm going to chase you into the uh, studio. There, eight four seven four seven five fifteen ninety is uh, the phone number, and uh, we're starting the whole deal with. Uh, Mid-season veggies. Yeah. And, and, and so what's your problem, Peggy? Well, actually, I was going to say I was listening to some of the spots during the break, and Chicago Excellence and Gardening Awards extended. Oh, right. We were going to do that. Yay. Of course. Give us a ding. Uh, yeah, we need to mention that. Okay. And, Lisa, you need to help us with this, too. Uh, we're trying to get the word out about the Chicago Excellence and Gardening Awards. In fact, I've got the uh, – do you have one of those flyers here? No. Um... Hold on. Don't mind me. You keep talking. You explain this. Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards has extended to July 7th. Uh, If you're a Chicago gardener, you're welcome to join the free competition, which is in its inaugural year, um, sponsored by the Mike Novak Show, Natural Awakening Chicago, the Shedd Aquarium, Illinois Extension, and Chicago Community Gardening Association, and our new sponsor on board, Chicago Flower and Garden Show. Yeah, Tony Abruscato from the Chicago Flower and Garden Show sent out a newsletter this week. And so we're we're letting people know that the deadline for entering your garden, if you live in the city of Chicago, no matter what kind of garden you grow, uh, you can be part of this. We're bringing awards back to the city of Chicago. Uh, a lot of great folks are doing this, and 
And we thought, you know, let's extend it a little bit. And I kind of figured we would anyway. This is just the way you do things is give, get people all excited and then extend the deadline so they can get their <laughs> entries in. Uh, so you have until July 7th. After the 4th of July, we figured let's wait till the holidays are done and the firecrackers have all gone off. And then folks go, yeah, I want to I enter my garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, or your uh, koi pond. Uh, or your koi pond. And yesterday we found out when we did a... And by the way, if you haven't gone to Facebook, the Mike Novak Show on Facebook yet, to see our video on fish sex, <laughs> is that going to get bleeped by Facebook? Is that? I, I hope not. No, as long as Jason Mraz As long is as Jason Mraz is, is not part of it. Uh, so uh, uh, it, that is so funny. Bob Passavoy and I talk about fish sex and something that happened in one of the fish vats there. Um, I can't. I'm not going to give it away because uh, you, you got to watch see, it on Facebook. You got to see it for yourself. We've only had, already had several hundred people take a look at it, uh, and it's very, very funny. So um, uh, check that out. But meanwhile, enter the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. Uh, you can go to my website, mikenovak.net. Click on Gardening Awards and. Right at the top of the page, there's also um, a logo on the page you can go to and be part of it. Yes, Lisa? Who's Who are the judges? Um, I'm, we're not telling. Why? Do you want because to be a I'd judge? Because I'd like to be one. You're, you're in. Believe me. I good. We, we have connections. Oh, good. <laughs> we want you to be a judge. That would be wonderful. Yes. Uh, they're, they're professionals and master gardeners, people in right. the horticultural industry, mm-hmm. that sort right. of thing. So yeah. uh, we are adding your name. We'll tell the folks at Illinois Extension that you want to be uh, part of that. So we're very excited. And uh, uh, again, uh, please enter your gardens. Now's a good time. Uh, we fit, One of the things we realize, and, and you know this too, Lisa, at this time of year, we started this a month ago, the, the gardening awards, knowing that people would look at their garden at the beginning of June and say, I don't know what I have yet. Because a lot of pe- people, you know, yeah, you've got bulbs, you got the spring bulbs. You got the spring ephemerals. If you're heavy into spring ephemerals, May is actually a wonderful month for gardens. June, then you start to lose them, and then you got to replace them with something. And often it's the 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 summer blooming plants, or in terms of veggies, the squash and the cucumbers and the melons mm-hmm. and the beans and the tomatoes and peppers that, and that sort of thing. That's true. It's it's not too late to plug in a few perennials to add some color to your garden. Um, certainly. Um, the salvias are all blooming and there's lots of monarda and things that can be beneficial in the, in a vegetable garden or in sort of a companion planting situation. Mm-hmm. So it's not too late to pop in some extra color. We're finished with annuals now, um, but think about perennials. Uh, and that's one of the things I posted on the blog at MikeNovak.net uh, was something we got from the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener. Uh, an article that's actually posted in the July uh, edition of Natural Awakening Chicago, which is things to think about as you enter July. And one of them is fill some of the gaps, put in new things, mm-hmm. and start thinking. Really, it's weird, but you start thinking about fall planting in July uh, to to have the crops that are are cool weather crops. You plant them in the summer, and they germinate a little faster in the summer, don't they? They do. Uh, they do. It's time to uh, think about succession in the vegetable garden anyway. I mean, think about um, starting some of the fall crops in um, undercover, mm-hmm. potentially. Um, start a little um, germination tray you in your like kitchen. You mean FBI or, and uh, CIA undercover? Yeah. Is, is that what we're talking undercover, about? Undercover, yeah, under yeah. under a little uh, uh, greenhouse. That's Rolling Stones song, yeah. 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 <laughs> 
Yeah. So it's um, we plant in several successions through the summer. So we plant zucchini twice. Um, there are lots of beans and um, uh, summer crops that you can plant in succession every three weeks. You could direct sow another sowing of beans in the garden. So you can still do that, folks, because a lot of I think folks get to July and they go, oh, I missed the window of opportunity. But that's not really true. We still have a, a long season ahead of us. That's, we're just getting started. We're yeah. really just getting started. If we think of Chicago's uh, growing season, 171 days, um, you know, there, we've got a lot of that left. So we have beautiful fall weather and a lot of those crops that pick, can be grown in the spring can be grown again in the fall. So we'll start to plant peas in August again <clears throat> as a 70-day crop. Um, brassicas, cauliflower, and broccoli actually grow better when they're started uh, July 15th really? and then maturing into the cool weather when they can uh... be kissed by frost. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that, that was that was Jack Frost there. He just popped in. Uh, this is my problem in uh, gardening: is that I never get my spring stuff out early enough. Mm-hmm. I always in March, I always look outside and go, "Oh, it's too cold. I can't do this." And this is actually when, at the end of March, beginning of April, is when you should start have that out. And then I, it gets to May, and I went, "Oh, I guess uh, I lost that." Uh, that that opportunity, but now here at July August, you get to think about the fall crops again. That's but true. you have to be prepared. You have to be ready. It, it's you know it's it's like the fashion designers who are thinking they're they're at at Christmas now, okay, and uh, and and it's the same thing with the horticultural industry. They're at Christmas basically. A lot of those people they're planning six months ahead of time always. Yeah. But the gardener has to be thinking in the moment. Right now, how do I how do I get ready for this? And that means I got to plant something in July and August. There's a, a continuity in gardening that's so mm-hmm. beautiful. And once you start um, uh, sort of a systematic approach to gardening and feeding your garden at the right time, planting the right plant at the right time, all of those things add up to um, a, a long growing season. And if you're really eating out of your garden and you're depending on those crops, you're going to eke out every every day that you can in the growing season. Mm-hmm. So right crop at the right time. Soil temperatures really mm-hmm. matter. Um, the, the daytime temperatures are really important as well. Certain crops don't do well when, it, when it's over 75 degrees during the day, so you want to wait until the fall to plant some of those cool season crops. Um, but I'm working on 2018 summer designs right now for the Chicago Botanic Garden. So we're getting ready. We really are like Yikes. the fashion industry. Yeah. We're yeah. doing it a year in advance. Oh, my and goodness. So, uh, we've already completed spring. Mm-hmm. It's uh, in the can, and uh, I'm working on summer 2018. So wow. looking for see that's even that's worse. I mean, I, I can't even imagine uh, how you do that. But then again, you got peeps, so you you know. <laughs> well, we're looking for culinary trends, and we're looking mm-hmm. for you know interesting plants. And that what people... are the culinary trends you're looking? Well, at? Well, you know, we've planted some interesting. Um, tomatoes this year, which is an uh, an heirloom marriage tomato. So they've taken, uh, it's a, a Pan American seed uh, project through Ball, and they've taken a, a couple of heirloom tomatoes and their best qualities from these heirloom tomatoes that taste so great. And they've bred them um, and they've created these heirloom marriages. One um, in particular that's interesting that's in the garden is called Cherokee Carbon. Hmm. And um, they've... The Cherokee line, uh, there's a lot in there. And we learned about that last year when Craig LaHouillier 
came into right. uh, and he was on the show earlier this year. Right. In fact, I I'll, I'll tell you in a second. I wrote to him about a tomato problem I had, but I'll, I'll tell you about that in a little bit. But go ahead. Yeah. With your Cherokee. Well, I just think that there are lots of interesting uh, plants that uh, home gardeners might see in the garden center, and so we're trying to uh, anticipate those things when we're planting 2018. Right. Uh, and I, of course, we take a lot of inspiration from uh, garden travel and you know looking around in Europe and and places to look for color combinations and and beneficial companions in the vegetable garden, dill and squash, for instance, uh, you know, as we're uh, thinking about um, attracting pollinators to help us out pollinating our squash, you know, we're planting. Does dill help pollinate squash? I think dill attracts pollinators. So that's a good thing because squash needs to be. This is a very interesting conversation that Peggy and I have had because I showed her the garden in my dead neighbor's yard yesterday and the dill has is everywhere. It's it's self-seeded all over the yard. Mm-hmm. So I you know, grabbed a couple of, yanked out a couple of dill plants. Here, take these with you. Uh, and we and she says, I can't grow dill. She she can't get it to to survive. I think the chipmunks get to it, but do chipmunk? But they don't they, they do they like? They dig the seed up. But what was interesting was I then chopped that dill off. You blame everything on the chipmunks. Put it, now. Put it in some water to resuscitate it. Yeah. And the there's a fly in the house and a couple of other little things. Yeah. And they were all hovering right around the dill flowers. Wow. It's very attractive. Yeah. Very attractive to pollinators for sure. And it's beautiful in the garden. It's oh, it a really self-sowing is. annual. Yeah. So it will And it's um, great with pickles. It's great with pickles. It's useful with all kinds of yeah. different things. Potato salads and um yeah, dill's a great plant in and the garden. And if you ask me how to Beautiful. grow it, I would I would say I don't know. It just it just yeah, pops just, up everywhere. Normally just, you just yeah, it's yeah. self sows. Self sows. And so does it matter if it, it doesn't matter if you if you grow it amongst other plants? I think it's a great companion for other plants. Mm-hmm. It yeah. has that height. It has that sort of sulfur yellow color. So I love yeah. the way it looks. Um, the umble flower is is uh, one mm-hmm. of the most attractive to pollinators. Yeah. yeah. What what self seeds in my garden is arugula, and the pollinators love those yellow flowers too. They do and absolutely. It's a it's a, something for home vegetable gardeners to feel like, um, you know, they don't have to harvest every single plant Mm -hmm. of one variety. They can leave a few things for pollinators through the season. And it's interesting to look at vegetables after they bolt or try to go to seed. Mm -hmm. So that's the mission of an annual plant is just to produce (laughs) that seed. Uh, You know, that's that's really what they're trying to do. (laughs) Progeny is very important. Well, what about basil? Is it a good idea to let that go to flower or just keep snipping it off? Well, if you're going to eat it, you know, which most people are growing basil so they can use it in the kitchen, it's best to uh, snip those flowers Mm -hmm. off. And you can use those in a cut flower arrangement um, by just plunking them in with your your grocery store arrangement. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're beautiful, aromatic in the kitchen. Um, Dill should be harvested. Um, You'll see the little flower on the top of uh, each stem of dill, and you can harvest two leaf nodes down. Just clip it off. You could use those leaves and then use the flower as a cut. So you clip two, what, where down on the dill? Two leaf nodes down. Two leaf nodes. Are you nodes. tweeting that there, Ariana? Two leaf nodes. Two Got leaf it. nodes down on the dill. And it's beneficial because, for... Because you want to get it before it flowers. Exactly. Yeah. The taste change want, changes once yeah. right. plants go to seed or, or try to uh, produce their flowers and then go to seed. So, And dill needs a lot of air circulation, so it's nice to have um, uh, the plant sort of open in the center. So mm-hmm. if you take that... Uh, center flower out, you'll have ah. uh, less disease problems. And dill shouldn't, or basil shouldn't be crowded in the vegetable mm-hmm. garden. It should be planted um, on one foot centers. Get some mildew and 
Well, a number of these herbs really like their air and their sun. They certainly do. Yeah. Um, uh, the culinary herbs are such a great way for anybody in Chicago to grow uh, uh, something they can eat uh, and use in the kitchen. Um, Barefoot Contessa has a potato salad recipe that's really interesting, and it's I call it the $50 potato salad because you need about <laughs> six herbs. <clears throat> and if you're just growing those in containers outside your back door, you can snip and clip, and you don't have to purchase those $8 clamshells of herbs and, and uh, have a big expense. So uh, try some herbs in containers. You can mix them up. They mm-hmm. have the same cultural needs, you know, um, warm, dry, sun. They don't need very uh, fertile soil. You can grow them in practically scree or rocks. You know, that's interesting because I've actually heard that uh, growing them in too rich soil harms harms the flavor. It's not, it's not as... as uh, obvious uh, if you do that in rich soil. You really want some thin soil, as they call it. Indeed. Most of them are Mediterranean herbs, so if we think about where they're from, uh, uh, we can mimic that in our... They're very easy to grow. All right. That is uh, uh, Lisa Hilgenberg from the Chicago Botanic Garden. Uh Audie's just joined us. Audie, the dog, just walked in the room. This... See, on Sundays here, and and Ben's scratching his head saying, oh, we're fine with it. We love Audie. Just don't go, Audie, okay? Uh, Give us a phone call, 847-475-1590, if you got a question about your veggies. Uh, I have some questions for Mm -hmm. you. In fact, you start thinking about it now. It's like, I want to know what what do you see in this year? It's been an interesting spring. We're finally getting warmth and, and, and dryness, and that's cool, but I'm sure you've encountered some problems, and we'll talk about that. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, And uh, do uh, become part of the conversation. We will be right back after this. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? That's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free of ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and other treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of natural hair care services for textured hair of all lengths, including the non-toxic Cezanne Keratin Smoothing Treatment. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for Women and Men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. No longer have to sacrifice one for the other. If you garden in or around Chicago and you don't have a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, I'm a little worried about you. That's because you're missing out on not only the garden magazine for our region, but one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, as well as articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, and What to Do in the Garden. Of course, there's my column on the inside back page of every issue, but into each life a little rain must fall. 
Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. On newsstands everywhere, but go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. What is this anyhow? This is your talk. This is America, Jack. On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Itchy trigger finger. <laughs> he didn't trust the CD player. Here. I know he didn't trust. He doesn't trust me. That's what's going on. He doesn't. He has no faith in me at all. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show. As I mentioned before, Lisa Hilgenberg from the Chicago Botanic Garden up much more, much earlier than she wanted to be on a Sunday. Right, Thank have you. you. Have Thank you recovered you. yet? I'm glad to be here. Absolutely glad to be anywhere on a Sunday. And and uh, you, I got out of the. I, I was coming in the station today and just standing outside and thinking, you forget in January, and that was the last time you were on the show, you forget that there are days like this in the summer, and you, mm-hmm. and, you, you and it's 70-something, and it's a, the perfect temperature for a human being to be outside, and you figure, if it's perfect for us, plants are probably enjoying it pretty well today, too. There's, it's been a great spring season, certainly, and summer's just getting started here this last week. And uh, yeah, it's been a great growing season so mm-hmm. far. Um, we have all our, our summer vegetables in the uh, garden in at the Chicago Botanic Garden, and it's um, things are just sort of settling in. We're seeing that first um, spurt of new growth, and as we kind of move forward, we'll think about... Um, you know, fertilizing things at the right time and making sure to mm-hmm. uh, add compost through the season. And uh, it's it's been great growing weather so far, although I did see a temperature in the 50s for this week in the evening. So that's pretty cold for tomatoes. Yeah, it might be this evening. That is. Uh, it's not. Is it tonight? I, I think bo- so. I believe so. Yeah. 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 yeah we've got yeah. we've got one. Well, but it was 59 this morning. At my yeah, house, at least. It's. It doesn't really hurt them. It might slow them down a little bit at this point, wouldn't it? I think that, um, you know, during flowering, it can cause some early tomato problems. One in right. particular is called cat facing. Okay. And um, that's kind of a brown leathery spot um, on the end of a, a tomato. Um, it can cause blossom end rot, um, this inconsistent moisture that we have. So there are challenges. And, and the first set of fruit may exhibit some some problems mm-hmm. just because of this uh, temperature fluctuation. Yeah. And you mentioned you were doing a whole tomato troubleshooting talk the other day. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about tomatoes. They're such popular vegetables. We can, uh, you know, they're mm-hmm. probably the most popular with home gardeners of mm-hmm. any vegetable. And uh, so we're growing kind of one of everything. Uh, yeah. And so what should people be looking out for now, though, with all the rain and then it got dry and then rain? You, men- you mentioned blossom end rot, which is an inc- basically it's it's a calcium deficiency, but it's basically caused by by inconsistent watering. That's absolutely uh, right. And so, how do the people? What is consistent watering? I, I you say that to folks, and their eyes glaze over. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, you know, we baby these these vegetables. We want to make sure that they never dry out. Uh, they're kept consistently moist, and that's um, really important. So one inch of water per week, which mm-hmm. is um, uh, 
you know, percolates down into the soil four to six inches of deep, thorough watering once a week. If Mother Nature hasn't provided what we need, then we need to take that on ourselves. And then making sure that the water is delivered down where the plant needs it, not over top, uh, overhead. Um, So avoid using a sprinkler in the vegetable garden and just delivering the water with a long-handled uh, wand right at the root system, uh, and so many problems. Or are, drip hoses. Or drip. Yeah. A lot of hoses. lot of people love drip hoses for their vegetable garden. It's it's just a luxury, and it's best for the plants and, mm-hmm. and production. So the plants are never really drying out. They're never, um, especially when they're getting settled in this early. They're never struggling for anything. And what about mulch? Mulching is is very important. It sort of uh, mitigates the soil temperature. So when it does get really warm in August, the mulch will help uh, keep soil temperatures um, lower. But you're presuming that it's an organic mulch because some people will use black plastic. Uh, And in the spring, of course, that will help warm the soil, but isn't it counterproductive in August? I think it can be, certainly. I mean, I think they talk about um, some of those challenges, even using a black plastic compost bin as well. So, uh, you know, um, we we don't use black plastic. I know a lot of people do who have terrible weed problems, and it yeah. does help with that. So mm-hmm. you have to sort of weigh the the um, options and, and find the best solution for I you. went over to um, the pie patch this week. I'm going to give Brianne Heath a, a ding there, and we... Did, uh, we picked our own raspberries and strawberries there, and the strawberries were getting toward the end, but she had a lot of them. It was interesting. She's making a transition, getting some of the black plastic out for the strawberries, and some didn't have it. And the ones that didn't were overrun by weeds. And the ones that did, you could actually see the strawberries. And, and I would imagine that in the spring with strawberries, it warms up the soil a little bit, so black plastic is probably very useful uh, for strawberry production. You're absolutely right. I think that's how commercial growers grow them in California. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kept up off the soil, and so many um, strawberry problems can be caused um, by, you know, rot in yeah. in the berry yeah. itself, so keeping it up off the plastic. But there are lots of options for mulching, just uh, leaf mulch um, that you've created, um, a compost pile or bin in your garden, um, you know, uh, full of grass clippings and ki- uh, kitchen compost uh, is a great way to um, sort of start that composting system, and then and then using the shovelfuls periodically through the mm-hmm. through the season on your garden. That's all the fertilizer you really need in your vegetable garden. Is a That's, scoop I, of I was compost. just going to say a lot of people just they side dress with compost from time to time mm-hmm. during the growing season, and that's all they do. Then uh, I have eggshells scattered. All over yeah, well, garden. I've got I do too. I mean, I've, my, the eggshells don't break. I, I need to get them in the blender and and pulverize them. I guess, but uh, yeah. Absolutely. Pine needles and, uh, you know, you can What change. about wood chips, though? Because uh, there's controversy over wood chips. And from what I understand, you can correct me if I'm wrong, if you mix them in the soil, you got issues mm. because they're going to rob the soil of nitrogen. If you leave them on top, there's an interface that will prevent the nitrogen depletion. Wood chips is, are not advisable in the vegetable garden. I think they break down too slowly, and um, we need to uh, have a faster uh, source of nitrogen. So um, even grass clippings would be um, yeah. something that you could you could um, use in the vegetable garden. Mm-hmm. Straw, um, seed-free straw. Yeah, but, uh, not, not hay straw. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so what about if somebody doesn't have access to the compost and just wants to fertilize? 
Well, I think there are certain times in a vegetable's um, life cycle that it's beneficial to fertilize. And we use natural fertilizers. Um, we're following USDA protocol for organic growing. And so we um, use things like bone meal is very useful mm-hmm. in the vegetable garden. Um, right at flowering, uh, it provides a, a source of potassium for tomatoes. It's a great way to uh, side dress your mm-hmm. uh, tomatoes and peppers and how, some of those how warm How deep season. would you dig that in? <clears throat> I use just a little cultivator. Um, a tool with three or four mm-hmm. um, uh, tongs, and you just kind of scratch it into the soil around the plant. You could side, you could mix it in compost if you wanted to. Um, you can use foliar sprays early in vegetable uh, lives. Um, tomatoes love uh, fish uh, emulsion and kelp. If you don't have a sprayer, you could certainly just mix it in a watering can, a couple of capfuls, sure. and, yeah. and do a soil drench right around the plant. Uh, okay, that's, by the way, Lisa Hilgerberg from the Chicago Botanic Garden. I'm, I'm looking at some of our uh, emails here. Um, by the way, Ron Cowgill from Mighty House showed a, a photo of the, the very last Marshall strawberry of the season, and then he ate it and showed a picture Hope of that. Hope you enjoyed too. that, Ron. Yeah, and Alexandra N. Um, is uh, saying that uh, my dead neighbor's yard is the name of my next book. <laughs> Thank you, Alexandra. <laughs> she gets a ding. All right. <laughs> and somebody wanted to know, how do we measure an inch of water per week? What do you mean by that? It's a tuna can. If you if you are using a sprinkler, just set a tuna can close to where you're watering and see mm-hmm. how long that takes to fill up. That's about an inch. So uh, every gardener should have a rain gauge, mm-hmm. and they're working with that rain gauge to decide how much water they actually have to deliver to the plant. Um, we water twice a week when plants are settling in. So these young transplants, tomatoes and peppers, we don't want them to struggle. So we're giving them um, a nice deep watering twice a week, and then we'll back off on that once July comes around, and we'll we'll go down to one time per week. It's a lot less than we think it is. And given the amount of rain we have have had, I think we had an inch and a quarter on Thursday night. So mm-hmm. um, Isn't it interesting? Uh, we, we go through these periods where there's nothing, and then suddenly it dumps down, but that's that is kind of Chicago. That's the way it happens around here. It makes yeah. it a challenge for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, so, what are you seeing? What are the problems you've seen this year? Uh, you got fifty thousand plants. You know, you see trends, and you see year to year things are are different. What uh, what has concerned you this year? My biggest problem in the vegetable garden right now is critters. So oh. rabbits and chipmunks and uh, the geese and uh, mallard ducks uh, eating strawberries and things like that. So we're <laughs> too, using too late for the strawberries. So, yeah. But. What? But if you're growing everbearing strawberries, well, which true. we are, yeah, we've yeah. got yeah. strawberries that will produce all season long. I've got mm-hmm. a new strawberry tower that has four different varieties in it. It's something that is really cool. Um, so, uh, I think, um, so for, keeping critters away is, is so, so for rabbits you, and chipmunks. Yeah. What, what you know, you the only way that we were talking about this earlier, Peggy, the only way we can really keep them out is by exclusion, exclusion. So a fence or a, a net of some kind to keep critters at bay. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are things we're using, um, flash tape in the, mm-hmm. in the garden. So it's just a, uh, aluminum foil like tape that's tied to bamboo stakes that helps with um, birds. Yeah, I noticed uh, that like ducks. Every it few just sort feet of scares them garden, off. Is that is it. that the deal? The package on the flash tape says birds think it's fire. I'm not sure. Hmm. How ah, really? Come up with that now, how now, do they get but... into the bird's brain? Yeah. That's what I want to know. <laughs> it's <laughs> very useful. Old CDs and and have we got a call here. No. no. Oh no, no. He's, he's nodding his head, shaking his head. No. Okay. I thought we panicked there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, blood meal is another mm-hmm. uh, product that's um, or an 
an organic way to keep um, uh, rabbits, rabbits away. And so just creating a perimeter um, fence of does blood that actually, meal. That actually works? Mm-hmm. It, it does work. It has to be reapplied, and so it's very labor-intensive right. yeah. because you have to put it down if it rains. But but uh, that's like a lot of those rabbit products that some use blood products, and there's the, the ones that uh, use uh, putrescent eggs and garlic and rosemary and all kinds of cloves and and the thing that i've read about rabbits and deer is that you got to mix the scents up that you can't just leave the same thing out all the time and again as you mentioned the rain will wash some of it away that's true Mm -hmm. it's it's important to identify which critter is bothering your garden and so um, what's going to work for deer is not necessarily going to work for rabbits and it it typically takes just a generalization. It takes three different methods to try to get get some relief from some of these animals. Um, uh, so you have to keep at it, keep trying a different. I know, and technique. And, and, and and that's the, the hardest thing are critters. That's that I think that pretty much says it. That's uh, Lisa Hilgenberg. Thank you so much for coming down on a Sunday morning. Now you're all ready to go into the garden, right? I am. That's uh, true. Yeah. <laughs> and I am. if folks want more information, they could go to chicagobotanic.org, look for the Regenstein Fruit and Vegetable Garden, and drop by. See what Lisa's doing, and she will say hi sometime. Come over. I'm there every day, so come on over. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Peggy. Our pleasure. Thank you. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We've got more coming up. We're talking oil pipelines. Boy, isn't that fun. Coming up next. Stick around. Now's the time to get on board with one of McHenry County's premier sustainability and healthy living events. If your business offers products or services that are eco-friendly, healthy, locally produced, or energy efficient, McHenry County College wants you to join them as an exhibitor at its annual Green Living Expo. The event takes place November 4th, but registration for vendor and artist space is open now. McHenry County College is celebrating its 50th anniversary, and this year's Green Living Expo is going to be bigger than ever. They've added an artist walk where visitors can shop and chat with local sustainable artists. And if you offer eco-friendly holiday gifts, you'll get a head start on season. Mike and I were there last year, and the Expo is a great way to interact with McHenry County's green community. Register today for the McHenry County College Green Living Expo. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Chicagoans are looking for ways to get healthier in 2017. Hi, I'm Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach this growing wellness market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 monthly readers. Call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more. That's 847-858-3697. And check us out at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good, live simply, laugh more. This is your talk. One of the few true originals of our time. On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago.
And it seems as though that was fun. there's always <laughs> one more, and it's usually a pipeline, uh, Unfortunately. being built and folks putting stuff through it. And there's one more spill uh, and uh, one more opportunity for us to call attention to the fact that if you build it, it's going to spill. Uh, and uh, so um, we're happy to wel- welcome to the program this morning Liz Kirkwood, uh, who's with Flow for the Love of Water. It's a Traverse City-based nonprofit water law and policy center. Uh, and it started by you and uh, Attorney Jim Olson, right, Liz? Uh, good morning. Uh, yes, uh, Jim. Well, Jim Olson is our founder. I'm the executive director. Lucky enough to have connected with Jim uh, over six years ago. So you're based in Traverse City, and are you only focused on the Enbridge pipeline? Do you look at some of the other pipelines? Uh, well, our our mission is to protect the common waters of the Great Lakes Basin, okay. um, using uh, and focusing on protecting the waters as a shared public resource. Mm-hmm. And so uh, our, we're not only involved in Line 5, but uh, in the Nestle privatization water grab. Uh, we're very concerned about the algal blooms in Lake Erie, the invasive mm-hmm. species, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and carp. So all things Great Lakes. Yeah, yeah. And so we had Mitch McNeil on last summer talking about Enbridge when some of the protests were happening around Labor Day weekend. And he's with? With Surfrider Chicago. Surfrider Chicago. Yeah, and and then then we started noticing recently that Enbridge 5 seems to have heated up again. And Enbridge 5 is the pipeline bringing Canadian oil around the Great Lakes and also under the Straits of Mackinac. So where are we now with that pipeline, with some protests, with, with some public comment periods? Well, that's right. This this really is the summer to decide the fate of Line 5. Uh, you know, basically, since the Kalamazoo disaster in 2010, uh, thanks to National Wildlife Federation and others, really bringing um, awareness to uh, Line 5, which is arguably one of the most dangerous pipelines in America because it is an underwater pipeline in the open waters of the Great Lakes, and it uh, spans almost five miles across the Great Lakes yeah, in, in, you know, the worst possible place for an oil spill. Um, oh, yeah. And it's 64 years old by now. That's right. That's right. Every day, 23 million gallons of oil are pumped through these pipelines, so about almost a million gallons an hour, to give you an idea. And the, um, the reason this pipeline is allowed to occupy our our public waters is that back in 1953, the state of Michigan granted an easement that allowed these pipelines to be there. Of course, in today's world, we would never put an oil spill, we would never put an oil pipeline in the middle of Great Lakes knowing of the the, uh, catastrophic consequences. Um, Enbridge is violating a number of the terms with respect to this easement, uh, notably um, that right now they're asking for 22 new anchor supports because uh, the structure has to be supported every 75 feet. Right. And that's because um, of the, the, the heavy currents going through the straits, right? Exactly, Peggy. Yes. So um, the, the engineers knew that back in 1953, but they underestimated the power of the currents. And so Basically, since day one, there have been washouts all along the bottomlands of this um, structure. And right now, um, 
there is an advisory board uh, that um, the governor created by executive order back in 2015 to implement um, a number of recommendations that a task force put together uh, almost two years ago. And um, the two studies that are supposed to come out next week are a risk report and an alternatives report. However, last week, we, the state of Michigan fired the consultants who were doing the risk report due to a conflict of interest. And so uh, that has really been um, a, a very challenging position because uh, everybody in the state of Michigan, legislators, everybody has been pointing to these two reports as the pathway to decommissioning um, and, and moving towards a, you know, a more sustainable and uh, uh, protected future. So um, we, we know that in, um, the, only the alternatives report will come out um, mm -hmm. probably this coming week. And there will be a 30-day public comment period from July 6th to August 4th. And there will be three public hearings, uh, two on July 24th in Lansing and Traverse City, and one on the 25th of St. Ignace. I've got a, a couple of things. You, a couple of red flags went up there as you were talking about conflict of interest and, you know, having the report, uh, an alternative report as well. Uh, does that mean that it's not as substantial as the report you were hoping for? And what kind of conflict of interest were we talking about? So to answer your question about the conflict of interest, what we understand, and, and the story is, is evolving at this moment, is that the contractor, uh, DNV, who was hired by the state of Michigan to conduct the risk report, was also simultaneously being contracted by Enbridge uh, to implement the uh, Line 6B consent decree with the EPA. And... Um, we don't know the details, but it's pretty curious mm -hmm. that Enbridge was simultaneously hiring DNV when they they knew about the risk report because they also Enbridge serves on the advisory board. So it's um, a, a, you know it's it's a situation that is very troubling, and. Um, I think speaks to larger issues about the industry because it's very difficult to find independent pipeline experts. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, yeah. really, really good point. And yeah, that puts uh, everybody at risk when you, you, you obviously need independent parties. You need uh, people who can come in and, and do it without bias. And uh, it sounds like you're not getting that necessarily. Yeah. We've just right. got, right. I was going to say we've just got I, a couple just, minutes, Liz. I'm sorry, go ahead. We've just got a couple minutes, Liz. But so we've got this report that's canceled. There's a second report happening. Uh, is Enbridge going to move ahead with its 22 structures this summer? Or is everything on hold now? Well, so uh, one one thing that's very important um, on uh, June 29th, which is this coming Thursday, that is the close of the public comment period for the anchor permit. And so we are, um, Flow is part of Oil and Water Don't Mix. It's a coalition of over 26 groups, um, uh, both local and, and uh, national groups. 
and we have a public comment uh, sign, sign up um, uh, petition asking for a public hearing on these permits and asking the DEQ to deny the permit until there is a comprehensive review of risks, impacts, and alternatives. So we hope people in Chicago will sign that uh, just as they will here in Michigan. Uh, yeah. People, this is a Great Lakes issue. It, these are our common waters, and um, we know that people in Chicago are uh, love these lakes just as much as as we do here in Michigan. So, well, we want to continue to follow this, and and we will, and we appreciate the work you're doing. Folks can go to flowforwater.org, or they can go to Facebook at Flow for Water, uh, F O R mm-hmm. Flow for Water. Uh, and they can find this, and I assume they can find the petition there and sign it yeah. uh, online. And, and we have the link for the petition off uh, the blog this week, Mike Novak. All right, so we have the link, uh, MikeNovak.net. Uh, Liz, thank you so much. Continue your good work. Uh, we're going to follow this up because I'm a little concerned about whether you guys have enough time to get all of this done. Just like in radio, <laughs> we never have enough time. Thanks a lot. I know. Have thank a good you Sunday. So much. All right. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe, author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Watt. Yes, Captain. AroundTheBlockPress.com. How many times can I say it? Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Call us with your questions and comments at 847-475-1590. Here they are again. Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Whenever my head starts to hurt, before it goes from bad to feeling worse, I turn off my phone, I get down low, and put my hands in the dirt. I try to stop the world from moving so fast, try to get a grip on where I'm at, and simplify this dizzy life. Okay. And put my feet we're, we're, correct, we're correcting our tweets here. Uh, we had a tweet that we put up said, oh, did you uh, delete that? Okay. Ariana is going to fix that tweet because somebody retweeted and uh, said that there was 1 million gallons of water that flows through the yep, pipeline. It's actually be- oil. It's oil. If it were water, we wouldn't care. Yep. <laughs> and Ben, if you can like cut Jason Mraz off so we can start Facebook living again. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. Otherwise the Facebook uh, gurus the, will be after yeah, us. Yeah, the... Uh, the pinheads at uh, <laughs> at Facebook. Is he gone? Oh, he's left the building. He's gone. He's long. You can, We're go, going you can live. go live. Go live. 
<laughs> All right, three, two, and one. And of course, if I sh- if I scoot down, we can see my head. Should I do this? That's going to hurt my back. I can I can try and fix that thing uh, again. No, it's all right. You'd have to you see the way we fix it. The camera's way up there, and Peggy has to crawl up there. And I went up there, and it hurt my knees. <laughs> so I'm not doing that anymore. Since I'm too old for that stuff. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. A couple of things before we get to our discussion about trees, and I'm always excited to talk about trees. I don't know. I'm just that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, trees are wonderful. A couple of things. First of all, uh, yesterday we just had a blast at the Midwest Pond and Koi Society 25th Annual Koi Show and Trade Show. And, of course, uh, you've got to go to the Facebook page and see the the live video we shot about fish sex. It was really there, fun. There, there was a mishap in there, one of the vats. Yeah. <laughs> Involving <laughs> sex. Uh, honest to goodness. And, and, you know, I'm surprised it hasn't gone viral. <laughs> I don't know what, what people aren't interested in sex anymore. Okay. I, well, I guess the world's changing. That's, that's the difference now. Uh, but, uh, there, today's their final show. You can still go out to the max in McCook, Illinois, and, uh, and, and just walk in mm-hmm. and see it's free. Koi. It's free. You see the koi there in the vats. They call them vats. They're actually little wading pools. But they're like four feet deep, so they're not tiny little waiting. Five hundred gallons of water, Doctor Bob was saying. Well, that was in, in the pool was half filled. Mm-hmm. There were five hundred gallons of water, and he was he was uh, doing triage with one of the fish there, adding salt to the water because the poor fish was sulking. And <laughs> I mean, he Doctor Bob is very funny. He just talks to these koi and talks about them. He's and, the and fish whisperer. He, no, he is the fish whisperer. Um, and, except he has to put his. His head in the water. Go, it's hard to whisper when you're, you're underwater. Uh, we were also going to mention that next week, we think, we're working on it right now. Meteorologist Rick DeMaio, we think he's going to be here for the whole Saturday show. Live. Live in the studio. Let's give that man a ding. He's and headed to Iceland. I, I know, and we want to talk to him about the trip. He's going to Iceland with students mm-hmm. uh, and and and. Uh, you know, it's part of the classes he teaches. I think this is, is this a Loyola thing? I'm not I sure. I think it's I a think, Loyola trip yeah. that he's going on. Yeah, it's an and, environmental uh, science trip. But he's also been he's been sending us all this stuff about what's going on in D.C. about about knowledge and the and and the data that's out there and how it's being suppressed or made unavailable or uh, budget cuts or budget it cuts away. Uh, and. Uh, Every week he sends us some new outrage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we said, you know, Rick, just come into the studio. We'll do a whole show dedicated to climate and uh, and related uh, issues, and related issues. Right. Yeah. And his trip to Iceland. So we're, we're very happy about that. Uh, also, we will remind you that, uh, again, we're going to keep hammering this because we got two weeks. You've got two weeks. You you gardeners in Chicago. Uh, for the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards, the deadline is now July 7th. We just extended it. And um, you can go to my website, MikeNovak.net. And if you go to Chicago Excellence in Gardening, uh, what you can see in uh, the bullet points there at the top of the page, it'll take you to the page and it'll show you how to uh, uh, fill out an application. You go to Extension, Illinois Extension, to do that. So uh, we're... Very pleased to present this. We want as many gardeners in the city of Chicago. And I saw that uh, Alexandra tweeted. She said, you've got next year, you've got to extend it to other 
parts. I, I of think she's volunteering to help. Yeah, if you if you will set up the database there, uh, Alexandra, absolutely, we'll do that. Yeah, you can help us do the publicity as well. Just uh, I'm sure you've got lots of spare time. Um, and she but said, it's, it's the inaugural year, so we're starting small in the city, and hopefully we can extend. And she 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 tweeted, "My garden wasn't ready this year, but next year it'll be gorgeous." Plus hashtag can see Chicago from my porch. <laughs> So Give that's, her a ding. that's the, <laughs> and that's why she's not doing that. Uh, so, all right. When we come back, uh, we, we talk trees. Uh, Lydia Scott is here from the, uh, Chicago region tree. Uh, okay. I, I don't, it, you've got, uh, CRTI and I, and I, and I don't remember, Lydia, you just tell me what it is. It's the Chicago region trees initiative. Okay. I did have it right. Mm-hmm. Chicago region trees initiative. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about a new study that uh, they just did and how it shows the worth of trees. I knew this. You knew this. But we need to show it to some other people and then how to put it to good use. Uh, give us a call if you're interested, 847-475-1590. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, 1590 WCGO, Chicago Smart Talk. Now's the time to get on board with one of McHenry County's premier sustainability and healthy living events. If your business offers products or services that are eco-friendly, healthy, locally produced, or energy efficient, McHenry County College wants you to join them as an exhibitor at its annual Green Living Expo. The event takes place November 4th, but registration for vendor and artist space is now open. McHenry County College is celebrating its 50th anniversary, and this year's Green Living Expo is going to be bigger than ever. They've added an artist walk where visitors can shop and chat with local sustainable artists. And if you offer eco-friendly holiday gifts, you'll have a head start on the season. Peggy and I were there last year, and the expo is a great way to interact with McHenry County's green community. Register today for the McHenry County College Green Living Expo. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. Your family and pets spend a lot of time in public parks, schoolyards, and on your own lawn. And you want those grounds to be not only beautiful, but safe. Logic Lawn Care is an Evanston company with a decade of experience successfully creating beautiful lawns naturally. Logic works with homeowners on the North Shore and also with schools, park districts, and cities across Chicagoland to manage large turf areas naturally. Get a free estimate. Go to LogicLawnCare.com or call 847-421-6500. If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contract. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. This is your talk. Do you read me? On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Come on, is anybody even out there?
See, I think of this as the prototypical song mm-hmm. about science. It's just getting people to, if you just look around you. Just it's everywhere. For, for one second, sort of acknowledge that you live, you're not, you're not just in yourself. You know, it's it's one of those things where, and you, you know this, Peggy, because you and I have ridden together in vehicles where you're driving and you realize that the person in front of you thinks that they're the, they're the only person in the whole universe. Well, that's not true. And there are other things going on. And if you look around, you'll see trees, which are very important. You see other things. You see you know, streets and birds. signs and birds and sky and whatever else. And it's important to know that the world has facts mm-hmm. associated with it. Um, and one of those facts have to do with trees, which is why we have Lydia Scott from the Morton Arboretum. Good morning, Lydia. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's it's such a pleasure. Now, we were talking about your uh, biography and what was, uh, you know, in addition to being the director of the Chicago Region Tree Initiative, what do you, the work you do at the Morton Arboretum is what? I'm manager of the Community Trees Program, and okay. that's an outreach uh, arm of the Arboretum. But the the two kind of dovetail rather nicely together. Yes, they do. Yeah. Yes, they do. Uh, so tell us a little bit before we get into the discussion about this study that you did, the Chicago Region Trees or Tree Initiative. Uh, who's involved in that? I know that there's municipalities, there's other organizations. It's really a, a bunch of people, isn't it? Right. It's a collaboration of organizations across the seven county Chicago region. So it covers essentially the entire metro area, eight point mm-hmm. five million people, and our lead partners are. Major organizations such as the U.S. Forest Service, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, um, Chicago Metropolitan Agency for Planning, the Nature Conservancy, there and, and Open Lands. There are a number of them, and they've all been selected because of their expertise in particular areas that mm-hmm. help support our our mission to improve the health of the urban forest and the health of people within the Chicago region. And, and when did this get going? In two thousand fourteen. Okay. Began all right, all right. I thought it was – there have been other initiatives before then. I know yes. that in, earlier in this century there were initiatives to, to quantify the, the trees in the Chicago area. So this is the latest incarnation of that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, is it focused is, – is sort of the hub of activity, the Morton Arboretum? No, it's not. Um, we're really making a concerted effort to engage organizations and communities from all over the seven-county region. So it's not even Chicago-centric, mm-hmm. um, you, ah. it, although Chicago's in the name. Uh, and there was big discussion about that when the name was selected. Yeah, uh, yeah. Do we want to do that and risk alienating communities that are further out? But we felt it really was representative of the uh, metro region. All right. And so now... One of the, what we found out uh, recently is that there was a, a study that was done to, <laughs> and and it seems odd. And I, and I wrote about this on um, the blog. Uh, it the study found out a, a number of things. One is that there are 157 million trees in the Chicago region. How do you determine that there were 157 million trees? I imagine it's a a combination of uh, observation on the ground and observation in the air, that sort of thing, and measuring canopy and knowing that if you've got this much canopy, you have this many trees below and some extrapolation and that sort of thing. Is that how you came to that? That's right. It started with a census in 2010, and actually a census was conducted in the Chicago region in 2007. 
And the census was more than 2,000 plots across the Chicago region, mm-hmm. and they're uh, randomly selected. So mm-hmm. you get a good uh, response, uh, as, as a good representation of all the different kinds of land cover. And uh, in that census, they they inventoried everything within a six one-sixth acre location. So we were getting land use and trees and other vegetation, canopy cover, that sort of thing. And then when we got that information back, that's what got us to the 157 million trees when you start to extrapolate that across the area. Um, the advantage to having the census is it gave us some baseline information to work with, but it did not allow us to get to the community scale because 2,000 plots across a seven-county mm-hmm. region doesn't when you start separating that out by No, community. it's like doing polling. You use a, right. use a scientific sample and then hope that it's accurate. Right, right. And so what we did is we took the LIDAR imagery that each of the counties fly. And LIDAR is essentially a plane flying with a piece of equipment below it that takes pictures mm-hmm. of the, the land surface and it measures height differences. And so when we look at the height differences, we can start to pick up variances in the uh, landscape, such as trees and buildings, and roads, waters, that sort of thing. Uh-huh. And so we were able to separate this information into seven different land cover classes, which enabled us to be able to start to now zone in on specific communities and specific locations. So we know what the, the composition of the forest is based on the inventory, mm-hmm. but the LIDAR imagery now allows us to pinpoint strategically Individual communities, homeowners associations, park districts, those kinds of things based on this canopy analysis. And, and what kind of classes did you come up with? Well, we've, we've separated into uh, the canopy percentage. So we know that, and the census supported this data too, that about 21% canopy exists in the Chicago region. The national average is 27%, so we're below average. To okay, some and I'll stop you right there. To some degree, doesn't that... Isn't, isn't that about where we were to begin, which was uh, there was prairie in the area, marsh in the area, and nece- not necessarily forested? Uh, you know, it, it, you have to start with, with the region uh, where the cities are located. That's right. But we were 60% forest um, in this area at the before European settlers arrived ah, here. Well, so okay. um, we had much heavier concentration okay. of canopy then. And um, and actually, the the reality is is where we have these clusters of communities now. The density of trees in those communities is higher than it was originally. But you've got all this area that's now farmed, which you know originally had forest in it. Okay. So it's it's a pretty uh, you know rapid change for us from the 1800s to now to see that we've lost so much canopy. Uh, yeah, you know, I look at some of the I, a few years ago, Open Lands had um, a wonderful map. That show, and, and you can see this in other places, uh, that showed the marshland that was here when we first started. Uh, and you look at that and you think, oh my goodness, that itself, the wetlands were majestic. And we drained them all. We just said, you're out of here. We'll see you. Wouldn't want to be you. And uh, not at the time, you know, in the, in the 1800s, we didn't think about what the... Uh, the consequences of of, the, of that act would be, you, and you can't go back to that. But we have completely changed the nature of the very land under our feet here. It's 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 amazing when you think about it. It is. It's it is fascinating to see, and it, we continue to change it. I mean, the biggest change for us was between the early 1800s and 1939. Mm-hmm. 
And then 1939, we started to become a little more informed in our development practices and, and our reality that we need green space, we need trees, we need vegetation in order to have healthy lives. So that for that reason, we've started to slow down some of these impacts, and we mm-hmm. need to continue to bring that to the forefront. Uh, that's Lydia Scott, who is the director of the Chicago Region Tree Initiative, or CRTI. You can find more information on my website, MikeNovak.net, or if you just want to go to uh, their uh, uh, website, it's uh, ChicagoRTI.org, ChicagoRTI.org. Now, looking at some of these facts again mm-hmm. that we got, um, the the region's trees, as you write, uh, include uh, the benefits include cleaning our air and water, reducing flooding, improving property values, bettering residents' health, and I look at that and I go, big fat duh. Um, and, and I imagine that a lot of people do. But what's interesting about that is you quantify that. You say $51 million in tangible benefits. And there's probably intangibles that we, we don't even know about yet. How did you come up with a figure like $51 million? We were able to run it through a model that was developed by the U.S. Forest and the Davy Institute called iTree. And it at and at that time we didn't we were not able to run it through for the stormwater benefits, which uh, when we redo the census in twenty twenty we'll be able to do that. But it sorts it for um, environmental impacts such as cleaning the air and water. It, it, it sorts it for um, improved property values and those sorts of things. And that's how we got to the fifty one point two billion. And again, it's based on those hundred and fifty seven million trees that we have in the Chicago region. Yeah, you got to be able to. I I would I would say that number's low. If, if, I, if I'm looking at that number, I think, no, that's really, really, I, 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 I would guess that it's in the hundreds of millions of dollars myself. The benefits that trees provide? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, when you think about the health benefits, we're not included in that calculation at all. And you Those have are significant. to do that. Yeah. I mean, there are studies that show that people who are in hospitals who look out and see trees heal faster. End of story. That alone has got to be worth something. Well, there's wonderful research going on now at the University of Illinois on the uh, psychological benefits and how children with attention deficit disorder have much reduced symptoms by being exposed to nature and being able to get out into the environment. Um, Japan is a country that the doctors actually write prescriptions for nature walks. They call it forest bathing, where people Mm -hmm. have to go out every day and actually walk through the trees because they found it makes a significant difference in how you think. Forest bathing. Forest bathing, yeah. Yeah. We got to tweet that. It's very interesting. Yeah, it is. Forest bathing. Yeah, there's a few programs trying to start in this country for that that I've just seen a little bit, but. Well, we're a little slower to come yes. on to this with, than some with pretty other. pretty much everything. Yes. Yeah, we're we're yes. backward. Just, yeah. You know, when it comes to nature, yeah, there's, there's a lot. We're, we're, why are we always catching up to the rest of the world? I don't get it. But, well, we don't seem to be getting ahead. And that's why we're here is to try to well, promote that. And now we're, you know, unfortunately, and Rick DeMaio will come in next week and talk about this. You heard us uh, promoting that about why it looks like we're going to get farther behind. That That is nuts and uh i oh it just makes my blood boil which means i have to go do a nature bathe yes and uh and and (laughs) and feel better right see that's the way it works um while we're on the subject you mentioned davy uh i imagine you've got people probably bartlett involved in theirs who are some of the partner business partners and uh, NGO partners you have uh, in the, the initiative? Well, we have Open Lands, which I mentioned, right. which is um, a non-governmental entity. We have um, uh, the Bartlett is one, Graft Tree Care, uh, Save a Tree, 
there are a number of those tree care companies that are that are invested because obviously it's you know the more we care about our trees the better the business is for them but yes. they also have a stake in um, making sure that those trees are healthy so that they can perform better for us um, we have uh, you know a number as, as we mentioned before of, of communities that participate with us but we also have blacks and green we have um, at neighborscape we have a number of organizations that uh, are We've, we're starting to work with to help improve the environment in the region. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, Lydia Scott from the uh, Chicago Region Tree Initiative. All right, looking back at some of what you've got here, and again, sometimes it's surprising, sometimes it's not so surprising. Here's one that is not surprising to me once I read it, but is kind of depressing, which is 60% of the seven county Chicago region's trees. Um, fewer than 10 species. Yeah, have fewer than 10 species. And lots of buckthorn. And lot, yeah, buckthorn is like the prevalent species here. That's that's a little scary, isn't it? It is, but that's the nature of invasive species is mm-hmm. they come in and they take over. And so we're drawing attention to that. We're working really on three main fronts to address those issues that you just brought up. One is the health of the forest, and we know that lack of species diversity is a significant problem for us. We just lost 8% of our regional forest to emerald ash borer. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, but, and before that, I mean, we uh, American chestnut. We right. have lost uh, American elm. Uh, and and, and we're, we're constantly scrambling to replace the species, the, the keystone species that we've had. Uh, and, and it just seems like it gets harder and harder and harder to do that. That's why diversity is really critical. I mean, when you look at the street trees in the Chicago region, 19% of street trees were ash, but 32% are maple. So when something comes in to wipe out maple trees, we're going to be at twice the devastation that we were with the loss of ash trees. So we encourage people not to plant any more than 5% of any one species. So you, you, know, you know, the best rule of thumb I've heard for planting a tree in your yard or on your property, look at your na- neighbor's yard and plant something else. Something else. Something right. different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and if you can... Something native to the area. That's that's the important thing. But make it different from what everybody because that, that's what people do. It's like and all you have to do. It's it's not just uh, maples and ashes, as you say. You know, we lost the the, the American elm. What are we replacing with ash trees? Mm-hmm. Boom. Now we're we're suffering. Now it, then the the maples are going to go. Uh, I I figure honey locusts is on that list. Yes. We've got so many yes. honey locusts. Mm-hmm. At some point, they're going to get something. And what are we going to have left? We're going to have all these marginal species that people sometimes plant, but not really because, oh, it doesn't grow fast enough. Oh, I don't really like the shape. Oh, on oh and it's on. messy. It's messy. Yeah. yeah. Those well, we've, we've developed a tool for that. One of the things that we found from the census was that 70% of our trees are located on private property. Okay. So when we start talking about trees, it's not just a community, you know, a, a public uh a mayor trustees issue, it is really the private property owner is the one that we need to be focused on. And so at the Arboretum, we developed a tool called the tree selector that allows you to identify where your tree is being planted, some of the traits that you want it to have, if it's going to be impacted by salt, some other things. And once you click those boxes, it'll give you a list of species to choose from so that it's encouraging you to think about diversity. There are more than 230 species on that list. So there really isn't an excuse for coming no. up with broad species. Right. Well, diversity. except, except, except availability. Yeah, cost and availability. Because a lot, a lot of people, um, for good or ill, walk into the garden center and they want what's there today. 
And if that species isn't in there, they're going back to the same old, same old. And right. and that's a problem. They shouldn't do that. They should really research and, and, and get the species that they want. But it happens. Uh, but all right, we need to take a short break. We've got to put that. What was that called? That tool at the the tree selector. Tree selector. Let's let's tweet that out. Let's get that on Facebook uh, so people can start using the tree selector. They need to do that. Uh, and when we come back, I want to talk more about the Chicago Region Tree Initiative and and the things they found out. It's fascinating stuff. I hope you'll join the conversation. Eight four seven four seven five fifteen ninety. If not. I got lots of questions. <laughs> we will be right back. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Did you know a typical carrot travels 1,838 miles to reach your dinner table? That's not a sustainable distance, and it's a great reason to consider eating more locally. In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Reducing your food miles is one way to lower your carbon footprint and eat more sustainably, which is healthier for the planet and probably for you too. So go to your local farmer's market and get to know your farmers. Consider joining a CSA, Community Supported Agriculture, and get fruits and vegetables fresh from the farm directly. It's also a great way to stimulate local economy. Find a farmer's market or CSA near you by going to localharvest.org. I'm Green Diva Meg. Find more useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? That's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair care products available to make sure you get exceptional color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins ordinarily found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots offers non-toxic, vegan-friendly nail services. They've also just introduced a complete menu of natural hair care services for textured hair of all lengths. And how many salons do you think repurpose hair clippings, recycled product containers, and use LED lighting? Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. What is this place? You're in uncharted territory. What do you mean? Where are we? I don't know if you've heard this. I don't know what it is. Tell us your name, please. 1590. WCGO Chicago. In a black dress here in the studio, and it, you're 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 dressed perfectly for the song today. This is great. This is good stuff. That's how I would describe myself too. <laughs> uh, and that's Lydia Scott from the uh, Morton Arboretum. We're talking trees and the uh, Chicago Region Tree Initiative. Uh, I wanted to get back to and those who are listening on Facebook because we're running Facebook Live here. Heard they know where this conversation's going right now. But one of the things I want to get to is something you mentioned earlier and before I uh, and did have we gotten by the way the uh, the tool out there uh, tweeted mm-hmm. out. Thank you, Ariana. You're welcome. Um, 
the idea that nothing's going to change unless individual homeowners get involved. And and I know this uh, from my work with uh, uh, Chicago Living Corridors, an organization mm-hmm. that's a, a, a new organ. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but um, it's based on it just it's it's about a year old, and it and it started based on the Doug Tallamy book. Uh, bringing oh. nature home and the idea of creating nature corridors, habitat corridors, uh, for our our, cre- our our critters out there and and our various species, plant and animal, um, and ninety five percent of the land in Illinois is privately owned. That that's where oh, we, that's yeah. yeah it's privately owned land and that's where we start. So. You can talk all you want about, oh, we've, the forest preserves need to do more and these, these, these public lands need to do more. There's not enough of them. They don't exist anymore. They're not public, so you can't do more, which means that individual homeowners need to get involved. They need to plant trees. We need to go to companies. We need to go to churches. We need to go to schools. We need to go to all that private land, right-of-ways, um, and say, You've got to help us out. We've, if we don't start planting stuff, we're just not, we're going to lose species. We continue to lose species. We have to fight that. Yeah, we do. And the other thing is that people need to, we need to be more uh, direct about how we teach people to mm-hmm. care for trees. Because it's not just that we need to be planting more trees, but caring for the ones that we have so they can live longer. Well, that's why we have tree keepers. Which, yes. which uh, I'm a tree keeper, number 417. Thank you very much. Uh, and Open Lands, is, that's a wonderful program through Open Lands. They've got a couple of thousand tree keepers now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you learn, you know, if you just need to know how a tree works. There, there are people who don't understand. I think they, and I, and I say this in talks sometimes, that they think trees are works of art or something. They're, they don't look at them as living things. And, and they also think, well, they're so big, you can't possibly harm a tree. It's like saying, hey, the planet is so big, there's no way we can affect the climate here. Well, just not true. And a tree, you, you've got to know that if you bump into it with a lawnmower, you are smashing xylem and phloem and cambium layers, and you're causing destruction to the tree. People think, all that stuff. Or you're hanging things from the tree. Or, you're, or pounding nails yeah. into the tree. Or all the stuff that people do, the dumb stuff they do with trees. Or pruning it wrong. Or whatever. Or mounding the mulch. <laughs> right. Volcano <laughs> mulch. On and on. And this is why you have tree keepers. And why you have initiatives like yours is mm-hmm. to teach people how to do that right. One of our, our major efforts is expanding stewardship. And mm-hmm. uh, Open Lands Tree Keepers programs, we've been working with them for several years now to expand the Tree Keepers program across the seven-county region. Mm-hmm. We've also developed a program called Community Tree Champions, where we're working to develop stewardship groups within communities to start getting them thinking about trees. And the reason we're doing that is to get individual citizens engaged in their communities and taking this information back to their neighbors. All right. Well, we, we talked about something else in the break. Yeah. Well, one of my questions is, in this time of, like, look at the Illinois budget and how that's affecting all the municipalities, and they're cutting budgets. How do you get communities, how do you get homeowners, how do you get park districts to invest in the quality trees and the diversity? Well, one of the things they need to do first is to make sure that their staff are trained. Um, and we offer a number of programs to train staff. It's called Urban Forestry Basic Training. Okay. And we also have a community tree network that offers them mm-hmm. opportunities to mentor with other communities. So while they may not have additional resources, they can strengthen the resources that they have. 
We were lucky enough this year to get funding from the federal government, which is being allocated out to communities, um, $15,000 grants to, to publicly owned landowners uh, to increase tree planting, developing inventories or management plans on their properties. And that grant is due July 1st, I believe. Mm-hmm. So that's out there. We also are working to engage uh, private entities such as corporations in these public-private partnerships. So when you go to a community and you start talking to them about what their forestry needs are, then we say, okay, who are the businesses, who are the corporations in your community that that we can engage with you? And most of them have some kind of a sustainability requirement that they have to meet for their their stockholders or their boards. And so this is an opportunity to build both both partner both parties in this joint partnership. Mm-hmm. So there is that opportunity there. The other thing that I think is really critical, and you know this from being a tree keeper, is that if you plant smaller trees, they cost a lot less right. money. And they actually catch up to the ones that were larger when they were planted. How do we disabuse the people out there uh, of all the myths about trees that exist? And one of them is, I want a big tree now. And what folks don't understand is that if you get a big tree, it had to be dug up from someplace. And when you dug it, dig it up, you're, mm-hmm. you're taking off about 90% of the root system, uh, which means it's going to take a while. And if you don't water it and properly... And it's in burlap. And it's in burlap. And, and if you don't water it properly, it's going to die. Uh, it, it, whereas, if you, as you just said, if you plant a little tree... It's going to do perfectly fine, and oaks do not grow slowly. Just ask Connor Shaw at Possibility yes. Place. Okay, he will he'll <laughs> he'll talk your ear off for about an hour on yeah. that. Um, and you know these and 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 as Doug Tallamy says, and we mentioned Doug Tallamy before, um, an oak tree is going to have more than five hundred species of caterpillar alone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on it, and this is why you want those trees. Yes, if you can plant native species, they've evolved with the wildlife that live here, mm-hmm. so that even as the birds migrate from Mexico to Canada every year, they stop here before flying over Lake Michigan to get their little stomachs full and feed and replenish themselves so that they have mm-hmm. the energy to get across the lake. And we want to be sure that we have adequate um, species diversity here to support the wildlife that live here. Right. And one of the, I was just going to mention, because I keep looking at the conservation at home, one of the things that homeowners get points, as it were, towards being certified is how many native species of trees that you have on your property. That's right. And the Conservation at Home program, which was started by the Nature or the Conservation Foundation, right. has been expanded now to all seven counties in the Chicago region. So we've been successful in getting that pushed through, and we're very anxious to have them well, meeting Peggy individually. just got – do you have your sign? I have my sign. She just That's got – Conservation uh, at Home. She's sure certified in more than one way. Uh, but and, uh, but the cool thing is they come out and they'll do an analysis and make suggestions based on the conditions in your yard. Mm-hmm. These are good trees that would work here. Yeah. This tree's too big. This one won't work, et cetera. So it's it's just a great resource. I, I, it is. I don't know if I could stand to have them come out and make. I I know what they would suggestion they would make <laughs> in my yard is get rid of that, get rid of that, get rid of that. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, but I, I was just coming from the resource mm-hmm. point of view that as they start working with homeowners, I think that's a great educational tool. It is a great educational tool. And we uh, we finally were able to get it in Cook County. It, mm-hmm. That was the last county to get uh, conservation at home. So we've been very grateful. I know. And, and we we talked about it this year. We had Val uh, from uh, Illinois Extension on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we had Jim Kleinwachter. Uh, and we talked about how it's being extended, and they're pushing that really hard, at the, the Cook County uh, folks for Illinois Extension, uh, to get 
the word out uh, and get people on board with conservation at home. And I think it's a great thing for Cook County. It is. Well, and it's it's wonderful, as you say, to have somebody actually come out to your yeah. property and talk about your unique challenges and where you mm-hmm. have great opportunities. So I think it's it's we've looked at that as a, a wonderful partnership for us. So what do we missed here? we got a, uh, about four minutes left here. Uh, you've got your notes here, uh, and Peggy and I are just peppering you with, with questions <laughs> And from our point of view. Because otherwise i got more questions. I, I always have more questions about trees, but what about the initiative have we missed here that you want to get across? Well, I think most uh, individuals need to contact their municipality and realize that they are an advocate, that they mm-hmm. can make a change in their community, and we're relying on them to approach their decision makers. Uh, We work with their staff extensively, but it's their constituents that make the impacts. So we want to encourage individual residents to talk to their decision makers, find out if they have a forester on staff, what his qualifications are, what they can do to help support the community in maintaining and caring for their trees. But a lot of uh, towns and villages and cities have foresters. Not all of them, obviously. Do you have a sense of how many in the area? It's about it's about 50-50. Really? Okay. Uh-huh. And, and um, many of them have uh, really exceptional training and ex- exceptional mm-hmm. skills. Others uh, are continuing to learn and to grow uh, in their skill set, and that's why it's really important that they have an opportunity to be mentored by others that have learned uh, what works mm-hmm. and what doesn't in their community. So is the initiative offering, say... <sighs> A a workshop for city foresters? Yes. We have them uh, four times a year. We offer uh, the urban forestry basic training and then the community tree network, which is, uh, it depends on the topic, but usually Mm -hmm. is very much forestry driven. We offer that um, uh, also four times a year. That's really a a very good question because it seems to me the forestry people come in, they've already studied trees. What do you have to offer that they don't know from their uh, their study, you know, they they might have a master's or a PhD, but you have something else to offer. Well, most don't have a master's or PhD. Oh, okay. Uh, most of them. I, are, I take that back. Yes. Most don't have that. <laughs> Evanston <laughs> does have that, um, but most communities don't have that. They have an individual who has become a certified arborist, and those are fewer than a forestry position. Okay. Uh, what happens is that most of the time communities have forestry in their public works department, mm-hmm. which means the same fellow that's picking up the garbage and filling the potholes is the same fellow that takes care of the trees. And so we want to make sure that they have the very best skills in order to help those trees grow to their potential. And the same guy, you know, often, as you know, that's mowing the lawns is doing, says that he can do the tree care, too. And that's scary as well. And what about corporate campuses and golf courses and large park districts? Um, We're working with them as well. Uh, We actually, the analysis looks at each of those separate land uses. We have uh, the the commercial industrial category. We have golf courses and and all of Mm -hmm. those. Golf courses are one of the entities that's been hardest hit by the loss of ash trees. Mm -hmm. So we're working with them to understand that species diversity is going to be critical for them to help keep their costs down and keep their program, their golf course strong. Lydia Scott, thank you so much for being here. Uh, As I mentioned before, you can go to my website, MikeNovak.net, or you can go to ChicagoRTI.org. I just want to let you know that I got this uh, Facebook I am from John Winters who says the best time to plant a tree today or 20 years ago. I love that phrase. It's it's been out there a long time, but that's it's true. It's at, so do it today. If you haven't planted a tree, I got an oak tree sitting in my backyard. I got to find a spot for I'll it. I'll give so. you some seedlings too. All right. The Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. Stick around. A little more to come.
Chicago Gardeners, I bear glad tidings. The deadline to enter the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards has been extended to July 7th. It's free and open to residents of the city of Chicago and is presented by the Mike Novak Show, Illinois Extension, the Shedd Aquarium, Chicago Community Gardeners Association, and Natural Awakenings Chicago, with assistance from the Chicago Flower and Garden Show. The awards provide recognition to the hard work and creativity that make our city a healthier, more beautiful place. They support the pride we take in our neighborhoods and help us build our communities. Garden types include ornamental, vegetable, container, and specialized gardens. You can enter your small and large buildings, schools, and other organizations. There's even a category for community gardens. You have until July 7th to enter. Go to Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards on Facebook or click on the Chicago Gardening Awards tab at MikeNovak.net for more information. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. Sound you hear is my time machine letting me know it's time to return to our own world. This is your talk, WCGO. Hang on. Okay, welcome back. We're in the home stretch. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And, and so, Ariana yawning in the corner. Oh, no, see, I'm but, still here. I'm alive. I'm alive. And you're going to prove it because uh, my uh, question to you right now is going to be. Uh-oh. And we may make this a regular segment. I think we have <laughs> Ask to Ask Ariana? Yeah, no, it's. What did you learn today, Ariana? I learned that there is an oil pipeline that is underwater. In the Great Lakes. Oh, see, this I is this is that. like a given yeah. for us. This is our world. This is what we we deal with all mm-hmm. the time, and we've been following this story for a while. And and I and I think it's a really good point because I don't think a lot of people know that there's an oil pipeline goes under the Straits of Mackinac, uh, right under uh, Lake Michigan and Lake Huron, where they come together. And if it ever Leaks. breaks, leaks, bursts, whatever, and it's got issues already mm-hmm. that they need to shore up, we're going to have oil in our Great Lakes. Yay! I mean, it's bad enough we got algae in Lake Erie. Now yeah. we'll have oil in the rest of them. But that is a question for you, Ariana. So as a recent environmental studies graduate um, and as as somebody in your 20s, how do you get that word out? How do you get people interested to pay attention and not just, oh, it's just more blah, blah, blah? It's, it's harder than you would think. Um, I try to inform my friends and family about mm-hmm. things and they do take interest in it. Uh, sometimes I will post things on Facebook 
to get the word out, but it's up to really the people reading it mm-hmm. or the them, not just, oh, it's another environmental post. And then they're scrolling past it. But I do my best to at least get the word there for people to see. Yeah, and it's more the, the what's in it for me? What's the benefit? What's, right. Why should I care as opposed to we're going to poison the drinking water of however many million people? That's the bad news side. Right. Right. Yeah. Trying to get, it's unfortunate, but more putting towards um, how is this going to affect people grabs their attention more than how is this going to affect the environment, mm-hmm. which is kind of the aim you have to take. People. Who cares about people? Right. Right. <laughs> No, it's uh, yeah, we're uh, we're we're kind of interested in what because Rick talks about this uh, on the show all the time because he teaches environmental studies of one kind or another, climate change, mm-hmm. and he deals with a lot of kids your age uh, and adults your age uh, who uh, are just learning about this, and and I and we're always kind of fascinated. Uh, by what he has to say, and he never has enough time to talk about it right. on the show, which is why, again, and we'll 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 promote this. We think we you know we got to talk to Rick. It's always it's always <laughs> about his schedule, whatever he's got. Uh, we hope we can have him on for the whole show on Saturday. Uh, it'll be the Rick DeMaio special, and uh, we hope that uh, folks will be part of it next uh, Saturday. We should also remind people that uh, at one o'clock today. Uh, there's the rebroadcast of yesterday's show when we were out at the uh, Midwest Pond and Koi mm-hmm. Society. Now, you won't get to hear the uh, the uh, video on uh, fish sex. I have to just keep saying you gotta that. you got to go watch that. Fish sex. Or as you said yesterday, no, la, 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 la. I'm not listening. I'm not <laughs> listening. Yeah. But, uh, no, it was really fun. We had a great time. What what lovely people. And, and they were so welcoming and so accommodating to us they were the just so excited Fabulous. to have us there i i didn't have the heart to tell them it was all a scam i didn't know what to what to say about that but uh but if <laughs> well and right there so for anybody else who's got an event coming up um we, we'll scam you too yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, we, would, we give give us a call tweet us facebook us whatever about doing a remote at your event yeah we love doing that we love you know i have i'm going to take a photo of this at some point I have a radio station in a box. And as I told Peggy <laughs> yesterday, I was totally geeking out about this when we were at the event. We were and we we'd finished and we packed it up and mm-hmm. you know, it all fits in this little suitcase. I said, I love my little studio in a box, <laughs> my radio station in a box. This is so cool. Have you seen my radio station in a box, Ben? Yeah, Ben's not impressed. Yeah, he doesn't you're not impressed, are you? <laughs> He's got sonar. That's my life. Yeah, that's true. That's right. So it doesn't mean anything to but, him. But the cool thing is, it literally fits in a little box. The machine, the <laughs> the equipment has gotten so small. I know. We run. We actually run the signal off of my cell phone. Uh, it's a it's a program, uh, an app that I run off of the cell phone and our plug, computers run a mobile hotspot and, and, and there you go. Boom done, as Ron Calgill says. So it's really cool. And Ron so, is watching us, by the way. Uh, and uh, hi, Ron. Uh, yeah, because we're still on Facebook Live, unless Facebook decides it didn't like the music we were playing and it says, oh, we can't let you put that on there. Uh, okay. Hey, listen, before we go, uh, I, one of the things that came across my desk this week is very important. As you know, the, um, the General Assembly is in special session in Springfield. Now, do you think anything will get done? No. Shall we roll some dice here? No, everybody's... No, 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 no
But what's amazing, uh, and this is from um, the Illinois Environmental Council. I got their newsletter, and Jen Walling sent this, and she writes, last December, legislators with the governor's support, you might remember this, passed the Future Energy Jobs Act. A critical piece of this law was the designation of approximately $185 million remaining in the state's Renewable Energy Resources Fund to be used for the Illinois Solar for All program. Legislators committed that that the RERF dollars would be used to ensure that new solar development would occur in economically disadvantaged communities and a training pipeline would be set up to provide solar jobs in these areas. The Senate GOP proposal, SB 2217, which they have put out in this special mm-hmm. session, would sweep every dollar from this program incredibly less than a year after creating the Illinois Solar for mm-hmm. All program. Yep. It's also going to end support for the Natural Area Stewardship Act and a lot of the other things that have advanced. So, But solar, I'm just amazed goodbye. that they passed this thing in December. The governor is on board with it. And a mere six months yeah. later, they say, you know what, we're going to take all that money away. The Republicans giveth and the Republicans taketh away. Uh, because, come on, let's face Well, and, you know, and some Dems, too, I'm sure. Um, but I, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I can't even, yeah, yeah you know, it's, yeah. you know, and people op- say not all conservatives are anti-environment. And, and what I want to say these days is show me one. Yeah. Okay, just give me one. Just one person. Just yeah. one. I just want one out there who's not anti-environment. Two. Come on. So what it's it's a combination, I think, of anti-environment, but also where their priorities are. They're not willing to make the trade off to support the environment because something with business is more important. So what you need to do uh, if you're interested in more information. Oh, OK. You need to go to the Illinois Environmental Council and uh, see the information. And I believe yeah. it's IEC.org. I just want to. And Openlands.org also has a please speak up so we can continue to protect. So they've got a comment yeah. place off Openlands. So Openlands.org. Well. No, no, no. Not IEC.org. No. It's Ill. Uh, IEC is something else. www.ill. Illinois. And, all right. Illenviro.org. Dot org, I-L-E-N-V-I-R-O dot org. And you need to talk to your uh, representative. You got to let them know what's going on. You got to say it's not acceptable to take away the uh, the money from yeah. these programs. Solar, is, Future Energy Jobs Act, uh, Natural Area Stewardship Act, all of the things supporting the environment in the state of Illinois. You have to keep fighting. So, all right. I want to thank everybody who's on the show today. Lisa Hilgenberg from the... Regenstein Fruit and Vegetable Garden of the Chicago Botanic Garden. Uh, Liz Kirkwood from Flow, which is for the love of water. Uh, I want to thank Lydia Scott, who came in the studio as well, from the Chicago Region Tree Initiative, and Ariana DiGenova here for learning something today. Very important. Ben Boquist for not being impressed by anything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's all we got. Don't forget, 1 o'clock, a repeat of yesterday's show. Until next week, go green or go, go home. home. Stadler? Yeah, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.